Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds from the studios of WBNS Radio in Columbus, Ohio. This is the Nerd Association Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Barnett. And I'm your other host, Mark Finch. And Daniel, I'm just going to jump right into it this time. What do you think of when I say, think, Mark, think? <laughs> um, some of your and my more heated conversations uh, have gone <laughs> like that, I think. But uh, no, I believe what you're referring to is the Amazon original series, Invincible, uh, which you recommended to me. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You have a knack for recommending things to me. And one, I've not heard of them before, or I've, okay. bar- or I've only tangentially heard of them. And two, me going to watch them and it being completely different than what I thought it was going to be. And I don't say that as a bad thing, but when you said... Sometimes it's a bad thing. Well, I don't know that it's ever bad that it's different than what I thought, but um, for some reason when you recommended this, I was imagining something closer to... Remember when we did the episode on Project Power? For okay, some reason, yeah. I was imagining it was going to be more like closer to that, like a high drama, you know, live action. And then I went and found out like it's a, it's a semi-serious you know animated series about and i was like okay and then the cast when i saw the cast i was like all right yeah the cast is great oh my god doing that with with voice acting they're just like let's just throw a bunch of celebrities in it forget working voice actors which is a shame but yeah they do and it makes it it, you feel bad because it does make you more excited to recognize all these voices but i always feel bad for like working career voice actors who seem to not get as much work now yeah although there are some I think real voice actors in this, if you look for some of the side characters, well, at least. That's I was going to say, I did I did recognize some of the voice actors um, right away. And of course, the one that stuck out to me that was extraordinarily exciting was Mark Hamill, which at this point, Mark Hamill is a more prolific voice actor than he is a screen actor. Yeah, I mean, if it if it weren't for Star Wars, people wouldn't even really think of him as like a screen actor because he doesn't really do it for anything but Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, he's had a few bit parts here and there but certainly um in the last 20 to 30 years voice acting has been his big thing so i was very excited to hear him in it and and of course you know jk simmons universally beloved i you know how there's some almost every actor or celebrity like people on the people have different opinions about them i've i've never heard anyone say anything bad about jk simmons i feel like everyone universally loves him yeah Am i, I think wrong jk simmons is one of those guys and he's done He's done comedy, he's done side characters, he's done dramas, he's done main characters. He's an Oscar winner now and he's I mean, he he was the first Spider-Man like crossover character. Yeah. For like you know how they're doing like all the oh, all the universes are going to come and he was right at the end of uh, Far From Home, right? He was right. sort of it was like it, they made it different. He was like an internet blogger, like almost like an Alex Jones type guy. But yeah, he was like J. Jonah Jameson in that Spider-Man universe because everybody's like, yeah, of course. Who else could play J. Jonah Jameson at this point? Anyway, yeah, so I'm I'm getting a, I'm maybe getting into the weeds a little early. Um, for those who aren't familiar with Invincible and the premise, would you like to give us a little bit of a rundown? 
So Invincible is a cartoon, as you mentioned. It's an animation based on a graphic novel by Robert Kirkman, who, if that name sounds familiar, it's because he was always mentioned around The Walking Dead because he's the creator of The Walking Dead as well, the graphic novel, and then helped with the with the television series, which I think has gone off on its own at this point. So you've got a you've got a good graphic novel base, which always helps with these things. They they know what they're you know they have a source material yeah. to make it. And uh, it follows a mostly the main story is a father and son. And the father is essentially this world's Superman. And it's kind of like a questionable super is what if Superman bad type story, but you don't know exactly where it's coming. The son gets his powers throughout it. So he's kind of learning to be a superhero in this world that also has other superheroes. That was one thing that uh, kind of confused me. I didn't know where superpowers came from. Some were aliens, some were just humans that had superpowers, but yeah, it's just a superhero world and there's normal like superhero fight bad guys who are attacking earth. And then there's also that underlying story of what's going on with Omni man, who is, as you mentioned, uh, JK Simmons voice character. Yeah, I was, I was gratified. You know, my feelings on Superman and you know, I've always said like, Superman is the the scariest. We talked about this during Justice League. Like Superman's the scariest thing in the DC universe. I thought it was gratifying to see that play out in this setting and that somebody else thought about that. Like what if what if Superman just had a bad day? Which in this case it's not. I mean, it's more than just a, a bad day, but like <laughs> you know, he kills the their their equivalent of the Justice League, uh, yeah. the Guardians immediately guardians of the globe <laughs> you know almost immediately kills all of them um and and then you have you know they spend basically the whole series kind of wrestling with with why he did it and and how to sort of protect the legacies of the guardians and also you know to some extent omni-man until they kind of figure out more of what's going on and, well, then, and if and they're confused because if he killed the Guardians of the Globe single-handedly, their strongest superhero team, what are they going to do? Right, and and you know throughout the series, um, Mark, who uh, Mark is the son, Mark Grayson, becomes the superhero Invincible because of a conversation he has with his father, Omni Man. Do you like how they don't show the title card until the first time somebody says Invincible in each episode? So sometimes it's like 15 minutes in. I thought that was very charming, um, especially like the first time I thought it was the end of the episode. I thought it was, you know, they were going to do this. Yes. And and then it, and then there was just a bunch of episodes left. And I was like, oh, well, OK, yeah. And yeah, no, I thought that was was very charming. Anyway, it, it also, you know, dealing with a classic father son story. Right. I mean a son growing up he's 17 years old at this you know he before he gets his powers which they show that he has this conversation with his dad when he's young about you know you someday son you're going to get powers and it just doesn't happen and it doesn't happen and it doesn't happen and finally when it does happen it's it's the triggering event for omni-man to to carry out you know this basically this coup or this uh, attack on the world superheroes uh, because he finally feels like yeah. he's got backup, which is very interesting because, you know, in the beginning of the series, they kind of make it seem like there might be like Omni-Man might be kind of thinking, I don't want this kind of a life for my son. I want him to be able to have a normal life. Like, you know, they play on with that trope that often comes in these sort of father and son stories. He's continually trying to teach him lessons for how to be a superhero. He's like, well, if you're going to work in my line of work, you're going to have to 
deal with this. You, you, you know, it's, it's hard to have normal relationships. It's hard to be there for your friends because sometimes the superhero job comes a call and, and then it's the, the decision on how he's going to protect his identity and doing that. Although, I mean, his mother is obviously a factor in that, but he doesn't have to worry about anybody going after his dad. Right. If somebody finds out his secret identity. So that it's a, that's another weird play on it. But, uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought that, you know, talking about Omni-Man and like I said, it's a what if Superman bad type story. But while it's like dark in that sense and for, I mean, not even just for animation, for any level of media, horrifically violent. Yes. Just very detailed the way they show the, I mean, it is not, you know, you hear the term cartoon violence. Yes, this is animated, but it is not cartoon violence. It feels very visceral and real. Yeah in that sense so that's something they have but in it's that also, way you can only do in a cartoon right you can only show someone's head being smashed right. into a pulp or you know someone getting beaten around like a baseball bat uh you can only do that in a cartoon and have any i mean get away with it is the term i'm going to use but yeah well and because it's animated they don't have to go into that the only way to get away with that in in live action is to make it really dark and dingy and gray and but this is really bright and colorful the whole series so you don't have to deal with that weird you know dc hasn't gotten it quite right like that tone that like doesn't really fit superhero movies so you get to explore this interesting question in this corner of superhero ideas but you don't have to spend all your time in a rain-soaked gotham city or something like that something this this something this series did really well is it it did find that tone, I think, just perfectly. In a way, like when I saw it was an animated series, and I and clearly you watch the first episode and you realize, okay, this is like an Adult Swim type show. You yeah. you, you bring all of your own. It's almost anime like it. Yeah, well, but that I was gonna say, it's not quite like any other animated series in that way. It's like it's a little bit anime. It's a little bit like I said, Adult Swim type cartoon. It's a little bit like the cartoons from the early '90s, the you know the Batman and Superman Warner Brothers cartoons, um, certainly inspired by them. Yeah, and but I also thought it 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 didn't it didn't strike a cartoony t- tone. It had these familiar tropes, but it did a lot of really interesting, unexpected things with them. I was really impressed by it in a way that I I kind of thought, okay, this is going to be like a fun superhero cartoon. That you know, we'll watch it for eight episodes. We'll talk about it on Nerd Association, and it and I actually was like, okay, this is pretty good, and and it never it never strayed so far into um, parody of any sort of genre theme or genre, except maybe, I mean, the superhero genre. But that's a given. You want that out of a cartoon like this. It was a little tongue in cheek or maybe referential to other superheroes, but sure. that's kind of the idea is they're playing on those archetypes and then, you know, just taking them a little bit off access from what we normally expect from them. I thought it was also interesting. Maybe this helps with the tone that Mark, while being, while trying to become a superhero and being invincible, he's almost going through like a growing pains episode or a season or something yeah. like that, where he's just, he's dealing with like normal high school drama and it has to do with being a superhero, but he's got this girl who's interested in him at, in the first episode before he has his powers, he stands up to a bully. Then when he gets his powers, he re stands up to the bully to kind of teach him a lesson. But yeah, he's got this girlfriend and she's always mad because he's really flaky and never around when he says he's going to be, cause he's always running off to do superhero stuff and then they yeah so you've got all that high school drama 
built around all the superhero scenes. And I thought maybe that is one of the things that helps with not making the tone too dark because at the very end it gets, uh, it gets very dark and it really makes you think we'll, we'll get to that. The other thing I really liked about it, um, this will be the third straight television series, I believe where it's superhero based, but I think this one, while it does have an overarching story throughout did a, a better job of like the episodes actually feeling like episodes. Yeah. Whereas the Falcon and winter soldier and WandaVision just felt like long movies. This one felt like, yeah, individual episodes. And then at the end you get the climax of the, of the through line story, but they've op- they opened up so many stories as well. So I hope, I mean, I think it's been pretty popular. It's had memes inspired. I mean, that, what I started the show with is now a meme right now that that screenshot of that uh, scene where think Mark think, and that's now a meme out there. So it's, it's popular enough that I hope it continues to go because they opened up so many storylines they can, they can uh, explore. What I'm reading is that Amazon has renewed it for a second and a third season. So we're at least going to get three seasons of this show. Okay. And I have an idea for what I think it should be, uh, but we'll get to that at the end. If Amazon's listening, I got a pitch for you. <laughs> Robert Kirkman, I know you already wrote the graphic novel, but listen up. <laughs> right. yeah, uh, they, I got some ideas. <laughs> well, it's not exactly like what they should do. It's how they should structure I, I'm it. giving so you a I hard guess, time. Think, Mark. So, yeah, but yes, you're right. It probably already is. I'm assuming, I don't know. I didn't look too much into the graphic novel. I'm assuming it's complete, or at least this main story is, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have that information either. It would be interesting. If somebody does tweet into us. Yeah, let us know. nerd underscore soch. If you're a big fan of the Invincible graphic novel, let us know. Well, I guess if it's a graphic novel, it probably, I don't know. Anywho. Well, there are volumes to graphic novels. This is true. So This is true. What I want to do is kind of look at it from a, a character standpoint, because yeah. I think this one does a really good job of not force feeding you it because like we've talked about Marvel before, how it's take, how they took their time and it took so long to introduce all these characters. I think this one and probably the animation factor helps with that does a great job of introducing so many characters and they have distinct personalities and you feel for them. Maybe that helps with the celebrity voice actors a little bit because like when uh, what's his name, like Jason man, yeah, or man, something. Yeah. However, you Mansukis, yeah. Mansukis, yeah. He uh his when he, when I heard his voice, I was like, okay, you know exactly what this character's gonna be like. So that it's almost like an archetype for his voice. Yeah. And uh he, his character Rexplode does not disappoint in that sense. He he sucks. He's the worst guy in the show, like personality-wise. <laughs> yeah. But there are some redeeming, you know, the, some redeeming qualities, but hey, he's not that great of a guy. My favorite were the uh, Mauler twins. Absolutely. I just like their bickering back and forth of who won, which one was the original clone. And by my guess, n- none of them are the original at this point, based on how <laughs> yeah. they continually die and reanimate the, or re reanimate isn't even the right word. Re-clone. Re-clone. Yeah. Clone. Yeah. There's multiples in storage, right? Right. So they just keep making them and, you know, and there's always two of them, but they he kills one when they escape prison. And they're like, they're the first thing we really see besides they uh did, what ended up happening there was like a there was a juxtaposed father son story of like a stepdad and that like white house like secret service guy yeah. and that was john ham actually playing that voice actor for i don't know why john ham went for that role but they they have a, a small role there and that's like the first thing you see but then the mauler twins attack and the guardians of the globe and they do just a great job it's just like uh you know, you start your superhero movie with an action scene and bam. Okay. I understand what the guardians of the globe are. I get Omni-Man shows up and I get that, but then there's a little bit more and you keep diving into it. But I thought the characters were the the strong point of the show. Absolutely. I mean, it's certainly like 
as we're sort of flushing out a lot of the scenarios, whether they be sort of like teen drama scenarios or family drama scenarios or even just like superhero tropes, so much of that's familiar. And while, like I said, I, they did a good job of sort of turning those things on their head or doing unexpected things with them, it certainly is the characters that drive the story forward, right? I mean, <laughs> the the memorable characters and the sort of, I guess the characters are the reasons that these tropes turn out slightly differently than you expect them to, right? Uh, if they right. hadn't been well-written, then they would just follow the same boring thing that you see all the time in superhero movies. And you were talking about like the, the sort of teen drama element, like that's Spider-Man. And I'm not saying Spider-Man's not well done, but it's you know every Spider-Man origin story is this story of uh, of a teenager finding out they have superpowers and how they deal with it. But that the scene of him you know standing up to the bully and and him getting just punched and him ke- he you know he keeps saying hit right. me hit me again keep hitting me that was chilling and it was unexpected and it was not you know it was not what Peter Parker would have done. Peter Parker would have done something cool and showy and and then had to explain himself away. This kid just was like, keep hitting me. Yeah, punch me. Until finally the bully was like, dude, what's wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) Which was, again, a nice sort of uh, an unexpected way to to deal with a scene like that. One thing I didn't like a ton with Invincible was they kept talking, and it's probably to maybe they'll fix it with – the second season and going on and the, but they keep setting up like, Oh, he's invulnerable and he's invincible and all this stuff. And not technically he could be killed. We, we definitely see that. And he, he loses every fight he's in. I know he's learning, but I feel like they could have had him like win one. He sort of wins the one at the college, but that's what the health of William making the like cyborg guy. Remember who he is. Otherwise he probably would have lost that one too. He, I, I just wish there was like one instance where he actually won the fight, but he, he never does throughout this whole season. I mean, he kind of, he kind of wins with the Kaiju, right? Yeah. But, but, it's, but it's, but I think your point is more just like, he doesn't have a clean W at any point in this show. No, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think you're right that that is part of the sort of growing pains story and, and that process. I also think it's potentially like, there's a little bit of irony to it, which is if you're going to lose every fight, you'd better be invincible. Yeah. Like if you're, you know, if you're, if you're that, um, well, and Omni-Man makes a point of saying, like, that's how he gets his name is that his dad, Omni-Man says to him, like, kids your age think they're invincible and they learn the hard way they're not. Potentially, this is that phrase playing out in front of our eyes, right? He's learning. I mean, he is invincible. But as you said, when's it going to run out? At some point, even Omni-Man, you know, got it himself. He killed what six guardians of the globe but he ended up you know comatose because of it yeah um, had there been a seventh one that showed up late or something right. yeah, he maybe yeah that that could have been his demise and i guess we've uh we've alluded to it but we're pretty much in spoiler territory that storyline resolves itself in what is a very interesting way and again i we i think when we talked about Batman the first time and I and I had my first opportunity to rant about Superman to the world I said like how do we even know we can trust him he's he's from this other planet like what if he's here to invade and spoiler alert but not Omni-Man is here to invade (laughs) he's he's from the planet Viltrum he's a Viltrumite and 
he's been sent to Earth to overtake it and overpower it, and he was just waiting for his son to be powerful enough to kind of give him the assist. Especially, I think, you know, he knew that if he took on the Guardians of the Globe, that there was a chance he wasn't going to win that fight and that his mission would be over. I would say, too, the, uh, when he defeats that when he kills all the guardians of the globe there is a slight mystery to it of oh is there something has he been corrupted by some sort of outside force or something like that and when you finally turn on omni-man and it's weird because if you're not paying close enough attention you might think oh good the superhero did it and that's when the the aliens that keep attacking and they can't deal with the time dilation. They keep rapidly aging when they're on earth because the time, the way time is experienced on earth is different than on their planet. And he follows them back through their portal. And just like at first you're like, yeah, he's beating up the guys who are attacking earth and he's beating them up. And then he goes another step or two, maybe three, you could say further where you're like, Oh, this is just like a genocide at this point where he's just flying at his max speed. And essentially, I don't know what the physics of that is, but he like creates like a nuclear bomb of his own, of his own body or like, (laughs) because he's flying so fast and just decimates their entire world. Uh, They, they do a good job, especially with such a, a lovable actor and especially with a character that like he's Superman. Right. And so I think for the majority of people, if you're not me, are going to give the Superman character the benefit of the doubt. They're going to do the same thing the Guardians of the Globe did and say, well, maybe he's been his mind has been taken over. And Mm -hmm. yeah, they do a good job of giving you that moment where you go, oh, actually, he's a bad dude. Actually, he's just a bad dude. Well, bad from if you're from Earth. I mean, if you're from Viltrum, he's probably yeah, he's a good Viltrumite. He's kind of he's almost like a Darth Vader type character in that way, right? Like. You kind of think, oh, well... Yeah, he's he's not going rogue. He's doing what his mission is. He's this doing, is what his plan but, was. But yeah. his, his mission is just so flawed, you know, when you look at it from kind of any logical perspective. And that brings us to the point of, like, Viltrumites being no good. They just... Because uh, you, you, the whole time it's it's built up, and, like, that's a good, like... Because you think Krypton is so is so righteous, and, you know, all the, the, the families of... Superman have always been built up to like be such good teachers of doing the right thing to Superman as he is growing up and getting his powers and now on earth. And he has two father figures, both who teach him the right thing. And you kind of feel like, Oh, Viltra must be this like utopia that was destroyed. And he had to come to earth as a, as a refugee or something like that. But Nope. They just send out Viltrumites across the galaxy to take over new worlds or planets whenever they want. Well, and he, he alludes to that at the beginning that like, you know, Viltrum sends out people and to save, to save underdeveloped planets. And it does. I mean, it's, it's very much like the white man's burden, you know, kind of a thing where <laughs> their, their perspective on saving an underdeveloped planet is coming in and colonizing essentially. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's also certainly like Thanos E kind of where right it's i like, know oh, i know oh, what they... you need kind of situation mm-hmm. yeah and what you need is to be exterminated which is probably not the right choice i would i mean i'm not an expert in the the universal politics of that but uh i would say probably just give earthlings a chance yeah maybe it maybe if if history has taught us any lessons is it's, it's don't do colonization Yes. Please don't do don't. colonization. Don't do genocide, and we'll go from there. We'll let's let's break those two out of your your mission statement. Yeah, the whole series felt like uh, 
I hate to say this because it sounds so dumb, the words coming out of my mouth, but it felt like it was written for me because it's <laughs> so much the things that I complain about with, with superhero movies and, and comic books and things like so much of it was just addressing the kinds of complaints. And I think not just me, but like anyone who looks critically at hero movies and in hero media, which there is so much of these days. Right. Uh, right. It, it's uh, I'd be interested to see when the graphic novel was written, because I think it's an interesting here. I'm looking it up to. So it began publication in January 2003 and concluded February 2018. And I don't know, maybe the, the graphic novels aren't the same as the the television show and their response to like superhero media, but certainly is very interesting how it answers. It's an answer to all of these movies that have these problems consistently and that have had these issues with the trope for almost a century, especially when it comes to, like I said, to like Superman or like, especially, I don't know, DC just seems to have more issue with that sort of a, but I know, I mean... That's and partially think, because my my lens is the movies and not the the comic books for the most part. Anyway, sorry. I think it does a good job of looking into a lot of the questions people have because while it certainly is referential of other superhero media, it's not derivative because they kind of pull from from different spots. Like even the Guardians of the Globe aren't fully Justice League; they're kind of Avengers ish, and yeah. like you know, so you can kind of combine that. You know, and you can kind of point out, oh, this character maybe was supposed to be like the Iron Man type, but then there's in the original Guardians of the Globe, there's definitely like a Wonder Woman allegory there. Right. So there's, there's little things they pull also in the world, as I mentioned, like, okay, some of the people are just alien and they, they have superpowers, but other people are just humans who have powers. So that's sort of X many, and they don't really get into that. Maybe that's something they'll get into more. Um, and another, because it's a series, I think they do a good job of, this would be like, an unnecessary scene that would probably just drag on a movie, but I enjoyed for a television series that has a lot more time to breathe. We've talked about that. How you get more time to breathe when you have individual episodes, the physics of how they fly, because that's something that's always kind of confusing and never really explained. And I, I enjoyed that scene where uh, Omni man, Nolan Grayson is, is, is teaching Mark how to fly. And he's saying that, we can like pull leverage off of anything, even the air. And, and so like, yeah. that's how they fly. It's basically just like running through the, the air. Like they're always pushing off something. So I don't know. I mean, while that doesn't really stand up, if you actually put it to the test of physics, I enjoyed like knowing that and it frames some of the action a little bit better. Sure. Well, I think in some ways it kind of explains that atomic bomb scene you were thinking about, or are you talking about? Because essentially he's creating just a huge sonic boom by mm -hmm. pushing off of the air instantaneously. No, I agree with you. I think it's a really valuable thing to do. To, I, I, as a person who consumes and uh, contributes to fantasy literature and things, there's always this question when you're building, like world building, about how much do you, how much do you pull back the curtain on magic in the world? Like how explicit do you get about like where magic comes from and where it works because you can get to a certain point where you lose the mystery or you like lose the lose the magic and i think you run that risk too with a superhero movie right if you try to explain it too much if you try to science the science or magic right. the magic too much 
you can lose some of that. But I think, yeah, I agree with you. They did a really good job of giving you just a little taste of that. It reminded me just a lot of, yeah, like how a dad would teach. You know, he doesn't like go up there and like show equations or do anything like that. And there's not diagrams or anything. He's just explaining to like, this is how, this is what you're feeling while you're in the air. So it's similar to, to being on the ground, but you're just in the air. You're always getting leverage off whatever point you're pushing off. Yeah. Of. So I appreciated that. And it was almost more analogous and they show a scene of this happening, but it's more analogous to a father teaching a son uh, to throw a baseball mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, he, the, the, you don't have to get into the physics of throwing a baseball with a kid. You just have to give them like the, the few little tips. Yeah. This is where you release it. This is your arm motion. Keep your eye on the ball. Like, you know, you're going to want to watch your glove to make sure it's in the right spot, but it'll know where to be like that kind of stuff that I thought was, I think that's why that kind of scene works so well in this show is because it, it feels natural. It feels like the way you would have that conversation, even if it's an extraordinary conversation to be having. So I think two more things as, as we, we, we round this out the side stories um and going forward they at the end of the series they kind of do a uh they do and it's perfect that it was written in the mid-2000s because they end it with a very mid-2000s song the what is it tick tick boom yeah right and they're they're, but they're going through and they're showing you oh remember all these storylines we set up you probably thought these would be something we'd resolve in the season no this is actually uh what could be happening next so i wanted to ask you what is your favorite or the one you'd be looking most forward to of the stories they set up to figure out boy let me think about that would you like me to go first i would like for you to go first i would say the uh the mars one they set up where uh, i i was reading through some stuff and it t- i didn't realize that one of the the uh spacemen that went back after they went to mars wasn't supposed to be one of like those like weird uh like squid type monsters that was a martian sneaking back because and then that's why the the real one was able to was able to stay on mars and then he was attacked by the so once they have a brain host then they can have like a hive mind and really work together and the reason they couldn't do that on mars is because the martians are shapeshifters so they could never get a hold of the brain but now they have that that uh astronaut as a host and those things are just taking over mars and as the martian said when we were on Mars to Invincible, that it's only a matter of time once they take out our planet that they'll come to your planet. So that's the one I'm most interested in, the hive mind, weird, tri-tentacled monsters coming to Earth and being a, a force of just this like wave of bio-muscle, essentially. Yeah. I think I'm interested in seeing more about the new Guardians of the Globe roster, and especially like that, the the robot storyline and that sort of betrayal. I, I, I'm interested in seeing how that comes together. And, and I think that plays into like Invincible's development as a character and how tries to become more of a leader. But I think, I mean, you took the good one, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I gave you a chance to go I know, first. You did. <laughs> I think the like the like Kingpin one is kind of will be kind of fun. I mean, that one's like a little lower on the list of like overall threats because yeah. he's more of just like a superhero gangster but i think that one the the story getting to that one might have been the most fun yeah but it's it, so i think that story as it concludes will, will be interesting to see you're right that uh, all these all the side stories I, I agree with you are very entertaining and very interesting to like see how they play out but i mean let's be honest the the viltrumite the you know the threat of the viltrumite return and the viltrumite like that's 
there. Well, see, that's <laughs> that's where I think they. This is this is my pitch for how to structure it. Yeah, I think no. I think a three season series of this would be perfect. We don't need to go more. This should be a, a contained story. So the second season should be. It doesn't need to be episodic. It doesn't need to be like villain of the week, but it's like Invincible and the new Guardians of the Globe, them coming together, figuring themselves out. Invincible figuring out how to deal with his powers. And he defeats all these different threats as he gets stronger and stronger. And there's just that looming threat of Omni-Man coming back because he just sped off at the end. There's that looming threat always there and they're talking about it and everything, but it never happens until the very end. There's some sort of sign of him or anything. And then season three, is all just invincible versus Omni Man, humans versus Viltrumites, father versus son. Yes. Yeah, I agree with you. I think having a season to build up, uh, make your protagonist believably strong, mm-hmm. is is certainly the right way to go. Like, as you said, he basically got his butt kicked every single episode. Um, so to have a season in which he actually starts getting some wins, some clean wins, so that when you know. The world, the the a whole and literally, Daddy comes home. Well, a whole a whole army of supermen. Because think about it, right. Omni Man yes, plus he's... everyone like Omni Man, <laughs> um, coming back and having to to be able to face them down. And I mean, who knows? You you know, half the time in that kind of a story, it's a father kills son, and you know, feeling justified. And and the other half the time, it's a reconciliation, and then they have to work together to fight the rest of the whatever i mean we'll see no or invincible switches sides and just earth earth's demise i mean that would be that would certainly be uh flipping the trope on its head which so far this this show has been good at so who knows i mean you honestly you say that and we might in in another situation (laughs) we might laugh at that like haha they would never do that but they might (laughs) they might do that uh, but yeah, that would be quite the the choice to end a series that you know people are presumably enjoying, if it, especially if it's been ordered for two more seasons now. To end it with Earth's gone, yeah, bad guys won. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I think the, the last thing we need to talk about is really that last episode and what goes on. It's kind of the last two episodes, the last half of the seventh and the the eighth episode where Invincible and Omni Man start fighting. Yeah, and just the the. I mean, it's horrific when they go through like Chicago and everything, and it's just yeah, this is what these and they they set it up a little bit that like it, yeah, if these superheroes get thrown off their course while they're fighting or anything, there's so much extra damage, yeah. and that's one thing that the the Marvel movies have like tried to kind of weave in, but then at the same time, there's a lot of times where it feels ignored, yeah. and it's just like like oh yeah, they saved New York, like. Did they? <laughs> we talked about that during Justice League. Remember, you were like, "What's with all these city, like Gotham and Central City and Metropolis?" Like, wh- and then they're all, and then they're in Kansas. This this pulls back the veil on that and shows you like Chicago just getting devastated. Mm-hmm. And I think there's you. Uh, we've talked about why you can't do that in a live action movie, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> for lots of reasons, it does hit harder it hits different when it's a real city and like i lived in chicago for a while i recognized a lot of that stuff and was like oh crap mm-hmm. it does hit different where were they supposed to live where was their like were they supposed to be in dc is that where their home was like well if you if you assume that um i don't know i don't know that they ever really established that but i assumed dc because of metropolis and because of the fact that the first episode was at the white house and mm-hmm. they i mean omni man can get anywhere almost instantly but 
I guess I kind of thought that that was well because also the uh, what was the the name of that the government the GDA agency. the global the GDA they, agency yeah their stuff was under the Pentagon and the mother could be there quickly when Nolan yeah. was hurt after so I yeah they must have been in the DC area so I agree with you I think to show well and. It's it's ironic that Omni-Man even has that quote in the first episode where he says, like, son, you caused too much damage. You 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 know, you could have you needed to you need to keep that in mind. Like when you're fighting crime, no, no, you know, not too much collateral damage, which, of course, becomes very ironic from him. Although right. I, I think it, and I mean, the Guardians of the Globe, the new ones even have like a conversation about that after right. their first mission or whatever. The The elder one of the group who comes in is like. Yeah, but if you guys work together, we could have saved this, or you couldn't have knocked down this, or all this stuff. And they're like, whatever, we defeated the monster. And he's like, that's not the point. Yeah. Yeah, and I, well, and I think to, to some extent, I think Nolan, in in the, w- the way he took down the Guardians of the Globe, in their own hideout, in a way where no one was going to see it, he means he meant the idea of like reducing collateral damage. I think he really meant that that he tried to do it in a, in a targeted way. And I think that the Chicago fight is partially invincible, like not adhering to that. You know what I mean? But also partially like Nolan finally say, knowing the jig is up and that he is not maintaining the illusion of being one of this, you know, the world's superheroes anymore. But I do yeah, think that so, it's interesting. And he's realizing. That, that when he fights his son is the time when that rule seems to get dropped. Yeah, because well, because he's realizing that well, I mean, if I don't get my son on my side, I can't keep training him to be as strong as me. I don't want to deal with that, so I either need to make a, a you know, like a, a plea to him to join me in the the Viltrumite goal, or to to go ahead and take him out, or whatever he needs to do. He's kind of formulating his plan and changing his plan on the fly there, and yeah. the. Like we said, uh, I wanted to start with that. Like the the collateral damage is horrific in that sense. But then his words are also just like, man, just the way he he thinks and everything. And yeah. the, the one that cut me the most was when he was like, your mother's more like a pet to me. Yeah. Because of the way they, Viltrumites age. He's like, I'll be, I'll, you know, he'll live for another thousand years or whatever it might be. So he, he treats all of these human companions. He's met over the years is just like yeah just you know just specs to me you right know, they'll be long gone by the time i'm gone yeah I, and i again i just think that's so that's one of those things that um that like the lord of the rings tackles so much on the surface right of like the elf human relationships that mm-hmm. Trust me, this circles back around. Like, it's a fantasy trope, and it's a thing that fantasy literature has to deal with constantly because, like, all the characters of all the different lineages age in different ways. And so it's like, you know, in Tolkien, some of those characters are three or four or five thousand years old, and and yet, and even, like, Aragorn in the movies is, like, an 80-something-year-old, but because of his lineage, he ages differently. It's something you never see superhero movies talk about. The, like that that sort of discrepancy and it's something that again we've never thought about superman and how he ages beca- because in the a lot of the media we've seen he does he kind of grows up he, he's a baby and he but but that's probably not the way it would be <laughs> yeah well because i mean even uh omni-man says that to invincible he's like as you know yeah you age normally now but now that you've come of age and you have your powers you'll 
you'll yeah, I guess stop that's aging. A good point. That's a good point. They As do time address goes that. on, it'll your 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 aging time will 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 slow down considerably. So, it, I think it's also going to be interesting to see because he's half human. If yeah. like how different that might be and how that affects him and growing up and his life. And certainly his weaknesses are going to come from his humanity, right? But it's but it, being the kind of show that it is, it's going to show you that you know your your weaknesses as a human are also your strengths because of your humanity. I hope that's yeah. that's well, what we're hoping for. <laughs> again, I I mean I I could be wrong. I would be surprised if uh <laughs> if they took that too different of a direction. If, yeah. in the I end. mean, knowing the Walking Dead universe, they're not, you know, always fan favorite. But I think, yeah, there is like a good guys win mentality to the show still or the graphic novel that turned into the show. I think it would feel like a real gut punch to go back to a scene from the show. It would feel like a real gut punch if if the end of the series was, well, actually, the aliens win. <laughs> the ba- the, ba- the genocide guy, the colonizer wins, I think would probably not be a good a good way for it to go in the end even if yeah. it even if it's through some other means i think uh probably we can count on that <laughs> spoiler for one season last, 3 right <laughs> you right. can probably count one on one last that, thing yeah. i uh i do want to see is was it was it arnold or the the seth rogan voice character alan alan the alien alan i want to i want to see his group come back cuz i like i feel like his group is like really strong and really put together and has like really on their p's and q's but He's just like kind of a like a black sheep yeah. of the group. Like he's like he tries to go to Urath and he ends up at Earth and he fights the wrong guy and all this stuff. But so I, I would I would like them to show up in a group at some point and maybe they help out in the third season or well, something. Well, you have to feel like, especially because their time dilation, they age so differently. You have to feel like they could come in and be cannon fodder in the fight against the Viltrumites, right? Because they're going to die anyway. But f- by virtue of showing up on Earth and aging so rapidly. They're probably going to die anyway. Um, it is interesting to think that, like, if Alan the alien is just the most, the like, the the lackiest of that bunch, and and actually an organized one comes back, how much different that could be. You're right, and to see how that mm-hmm. plays out in the sort of fight that we know is coming, where Earth is the is so, as much the battleground as it is like a participant. So yeah, I mean, I I would recommend Invincible to anybody. It's on Amazon Prime, so if you have Amazon, check it out sometime. And I'm really looking forward to uh, now confirmed second and third season. Yeah, it's eight episodes long. It's they're like 45 ish minute episodes. I I felt like they were remarkably fast watches. You don't always get that. Sometimes it's like with a full length television episode. If it's not really well written, you get you feel everyone like you start feeling it in the like four you know thirty fifth minute like okay when's this over? And I felt like this show did a good job of of keeping your attention and keeping it exciting. And so anyway, yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Recommend it. Go out and consume it. Binge it if you if you must. And don't turn off an episode during the first end credits part because a lot of times <laughs> there's a little bit extra, right? Yeah. It's usually only like seconds after, but if you're like, oh, the episode's over, and then nope, there's one more scene, yeah. and then they do the full end credits. Yeah, exactly. If you are a, a lover of the of the Invincible graphic novels, we'd love to hear your take on this first season and, and how they line up and how they're different. You can do that by finding us on Twitter. Our handle is at nerdassoc, N-E-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C. You can email us at nerdassoc at gmail.com. Let us know what you'd like to see on the show, or uh, perhaps you can contact us and come on and be one of our nerds. That'd be uh, We'd love to have you on and talk to you about 
whatever it is you're passionate about. Thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll talk to you next week.